0: You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network.
1: Hi, my name is Doug Mensch, and you're listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast. Hello, this is the Epic Marvel Podcast and we are back with another episode of Moon Knight. This is our final episode, uh, episode 3B, finishing up the last of the Moon Knight epic collections. This is Volume 3 Final Rest, covering a period of Moon Knight from 1983 to 1984. I am your host, Curtis Findlay, and I am your Moon Knight host, Eric Findlay. And I say that it's the last epic collection, but We don't really know what the future holds. Of course, Moon Knight has many more issues to go in terms of other series and such.
0: In fact, it's mentioned at the very end of even uh, the last issue here that they're going to be going to a uh, wider monthly format um, that's slightly different in, I think they call it New Moon Knight number one.
1: Uh, and that ends up just being a mini series, I think. And then uh, later on, a few years later, it turns into Mark Specter Moon Knight. Yeah. And as of this recording, we don't know what the plans are for the Epic Collections. If Moon Knight is planning on releasing a volume four that that begins that series, um, or if they're just going to stop here, we have no idea. So if they continue, then we'll continue our episodes. But mm-hmm. as far as we're concerned, right now, this is kind of it for Moon Knight. Yeah.
0: There's a, I mean, there's precedent for doing like a mini series and then leading into the next one with the first volume of the Moon Knight Epic Collections. But.
1: Yes. And if you look at other ones as well, especially like Doctor Strange, the Doctor Strange Epic Collections collect his um, Strange Tales days, mm-hmm. which turned into yeah. his series. Then it, co- it also collected these the series he had through the 70s and 80s. Then it also collected the Sorcer- Sorcerer Supreme series he had right. through the 90s. So yeah, absolutely. I think they should they just haven't been publishing the moonlight epics out of order like the other series so we don't right. know like and they also just haven't yeah. mentioned any they haven't solicited yeah, any yet exactly yeah. so we can only assume that uh, uh, we can only assume that the volumes released are the ones that are going to be released but fingers crossed <laughs> so what issues are we covering today we are covering issues 31 through 38 Bill Sienkiewicz is gone. Yes. He he finished in issue number 30 in our last episode. Uh, however, he's still doing some of the covers, and we'll see him pop up as a kind of a bonus feature in one of the later issues. And it's kind of funny because... <laughs>
0: Uh, toward the end of his run, he was getting behind. And so they had other people fill in the covers.
1: And now he's the one doing the covers when he's not on the title. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But speaking of Bill, uh, these epic collections do a lot to uh, to add as many bonus features as they possibly can. And uh, But there's one thing that they missed that I think that they should have put in. Mm. Uh, in what if issue... Uh, the first series from the 70s uh, and from the and the 80s uh, from what if number 34 which is a comedic issue uh, where it's just a whole bunch of series of like one panel or one page
0: gags is That kind of like the precursor to like the the what the and the not brand X kind of comics and that kind of thing
1: Yeah Well, not brand X is a definitely okay. a precursor to this issue actually because oh, okay. that one was from the 60s But okay. this one there is one page written and drawn by Bill Sinkevich that says what if Moon Knight had three different identities <laughs> And uh, it's quite funny. There's one is uh, Chuck Glickman, ruthless vermin exterminator who would kill any pestilence if the price were right. (laughs) Murray Bushbaum, who parlayed Glickman's ill-gotten gains into millions by shrewdly capitalizing on the growing market for rat fur coats. (laughs) And... Ned Coldguts, an editor from a major comic book company who receives tips on criminal activities by associating with freelancers and other lower life forms. <laughs> so, that's, mm. you know, it's just one page, right. and it's drawn by Bill and written by Bill, so I was like, why not put that as a bonus yeah. feature in one of these epic collections? I think that would have been fantastic. The timing would have been right, too. Yeah, that would have been good. Yeah, this, this one, this panel came out, this, pa- this issue came out is cover dated August 1982. Actually, it probably would have been in volume two right we're right in between these but it should have been in one of them that's all i'm saying (laughs) because i think it would have been a perfect little fit but anyway that's just an aside uh okay well these first couple of issues here are bill or sorry are doug mensch and then he leaves the title, too. And then we have a series of kind of rotating writers. They they don't have any consistency. And I'm not too sure. I wish that um, I could talk to somebody about this. Denny O'Neill, unfortunately, passed away. Um, and I don't know anybody else who would really know the, the behind-the-scenes details, because Denny was the editor. Yeah. Um, but what was Moon Knight's status at this point? Because it seems like um, if they're not willing to put a regular writer on it, they're probably ready to give up the book. And maybe if Doug and Bill weren't part of the book, there's no reason in having of the book?
0: Yeah, um, there, the editorial, um, at the back of this epic collection, there are editorial uh, notes that were included in each issue. Um, just like you know, two hundred words or something like that. Part of the letter pages usually yeah, probably yeah. yeah. Um, and in there, there are some things that are mentioned that might have to do with it. Um, like uh, Marvel made a a quote ruling that any title that was, I guess, direct market yeah. was what they called like a limited release, right? Um, they would they would only be bi monthly, right? And so that's why Moonlight switched to a bi monthly schedule. Um, and then because of that, um, uh, Denny O'Neill actually comments a few times that that has actually um, really reduced the audience of Moon Knight yeah. um, being not as regular and being only in those. Only in,
1: th- comic, in shops. The comic shops. In comic shops the small markets. Because this, in this day, in the 80s, yeah. comic books were still dependent on the, the new standard places like the corner store yeah. and the or, department or your stores, store, the, yeah. the spinner racks. Yeah. Uh, That's where we started getting our
0: comics.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And sure, the comic shops were rising and the comic shops did have a big, big market. And part of the reason for the direct market was to bring business to the comic book stores but people didn't know that they were there if you weren't a comic collector you didn't know that there were comic shops yeah you just buy one off the from the corner store yeah so in moon Knight wasn't there then you yeah. wouldn't get Moon Knight. so anyway it, it might have something to do with that just like the low number of
0: sales was partly because it was only going to comic shops
1: yeah yeah well, I don't know. And they, they decided to give it the axe a few issues later. So the, the issues we're talking about now is sort of the end of Moon Knight, mm-hmm. the first phase right. of Moon Knight, I guess. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, again, um, even though it was being canceled, they did know by the end of this that they wanted to keep doing more Moon Knight. Right. Yeah. And, and, and change the plan. format up a bit. Yeah. yeah. Even and did, if that one didn't last.
1: Did it say whether or not the, the new one would be direct market or was it going to be all markets? I don't remember. Let's yeah. talk about that when we get to the when <laughs> okay, we get to that sure. uh, those sections there. Let's start off our conversation with issue number 31, a box of music for savage studs. Savage studs, and you can you
0: can already see the like 80s influence of like modern comic art as opposed to like some of the noir and, and uh, um, uh, horror stuff from
1: Bill. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The the abstractness of it is yeah. gone, and it's now. It's it's quite more standard. Now Kevin yeah. Nolan actually I think he does a really nice job oh, through does. these two issues. Yeah. Even though he's starting out, he he's got a good sense of um of of style and I think, you know, Terry Austin does the inks, which uh, or he may even do the finishes. It doesn't really hmm. credit him as inks. Yeah. It credits both them as artists. So and Terry's great. So I wonder if a lot of what we see here is um, Terry picking up a lot of Kevin Nolan's slack. But yeah, it's hard, <laughs> it's hard to say. It's hard mean, to say. Yeah, I, I really like his a lot. Um, and it, it's just really different.
0: You you open the book and the difference in style is immediately noticeable. Yeah, definitely. But um, there are some things where I think that maybe um, Kevin Nolan has picked up a few things from Bill. Um, for instance, on... Uh, page 229 um, there's a scene of moon knight running down a wall with his cape out and just like the angle and the perspective is something that we commented on um, in bill's art last time right yeah that's cool and then a couple of times um, he uses some monochromatic panels or, or solid color backgrounds, which is also something we were commenting on last time. Well, and
1: that's because the, the colorist is still the same. Right. So that could be uh, the consistency there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of pinks in this issue. A lot of pink. And I've, it's kind of funny <laughs> just because we have the savage studs who are supposed to be like tough, tough as guys. nails yeah. right over in. And they dress themselves in pinks and purples, which are typically not the colors that you would see (laughs) in in a a group of Hells Angels or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. But these guys have a special special color palette for their gang. But anyway, in this issue, um, these gang members try to um, shake down all of the businesses on a certain block. And the owners are are uh, they have enough they're having an they're just done with all of that right. they don't want to be pushed around anymore the person who's kind of leading the charge is this guy who owns an antique store and a pawn shop uh, or sorry a pawn a pawn shop they call it antiques though don't they antique pawn shop but yeah i guess it is a pawn shop but anyway they they try to find a way to prevent these gang members from shaking them down and the there's one gang member in particular that doesn't want the gangs to go too far, especially yeah, he's, with this he's guy. Clear, he's
0: clearly got ties to the community.
1: And Moon Knight identifies this guy and tries to uh, get on his good side. And there's obviously a lot of um, baggage going on with with this one gang member. He's mm-hmm. he's a kid too. They, he looks like an adult when they drunk. Yeah, but yeah, all of these they're supposed to be teenagers. Yeah, but they're all like big muscle yeah.
0: guys and like <laughs> they look like they're maybe 28 or something. And yeah, they're supposed to be like 16, <laughs> 17, 18. Yep. Um, the first scene here with the uh, Savage Studs, it's its very odd. It seems like um, something out of the West Side story. Yeah, they're yeah. like, man, they think this dance isn't going to go down, but this dance is going to go down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, it just conjures up these images of like these two rival gangs, like
1: coming at each other and they're snapping. And the they're dancing. And yeah. The dancing. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, what I was surprised with is that Moon Knight actually uh, doesn't get a huge role in this. And I think we commented in the last episode yeah. that the stories are more geared toward people driven stories, where mm-hmm. Moon Knight is kind of observing and pl- takes a back seat to a lot of the action. That's that kind of ends once doug bench leaves the book right but since doug is still here we're getting that with this and it's a really nice character-driven story with this one kid
0: and with this one and the next couple um i found that the um that that character-driven story was a lot more purposeful not to say the other ones weren't necessarily but these ones um, definitely had more of a, a social um, aspect to them, like a societal aspect to them that we're, we're trying to address an issue here, Yeah, which I really liked. And
1: there was very little action through this whole story. I think we get one scene where Moon Knight just c- quickly takes out the bad guys. And for yep. the most part, it is, like I said, just character driven, uh, following, what is the guy's name again? Uh, Lenny. Oh yeah, Lenny. Follow, following around Lenny as he goes to his gang, talks to the, the owner and and really, and his mom, the scene with his mom as well, yeah uh, just figuring out who this guy is and why he is the way that he is. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the issue, um, I think we're supposed to infer that the guy with the pawn shop is lenny's father yeah we don't um, quite know that well, yet yeah but it, it, it's, and it's ambiguous it's it's never
0: like 100 percent clear explicitly stated um but there are a few things that make it fairly obvious i think yeah yeah and so in, so in this issue there's just sort of one line near the end where it sort of makes it seem like okay this is his dad uh,
1: but but there's stuff in the next issue and i'll try and point him out where yeah. it I think it explicitly says that it's it's his father. Lewis. Lewis. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. Um, Yeah. This was, uh, I don't know. It was good. I really liked it. Yeah, me too. It's just even though we have an artist change, we still get the feeling of that this is a Moon Knight story because it's still Doug Bench. And I I think he's, I, I love Doug Bench. He's so great. Um, At the top of page
0: uh, 232, there's a little inset panel. And I really liked that because it just uh, shows the street view. And then right at the very top, you can see a little tiny Moon Knight jumping (laughs) off of a roof. Right before he, in the main panel, he just lands. Crashes down, Crashes into a guy.
1: Yeah, uh, Kevin actually does that a few times in this, uh, on the very next page. In fact, there's an inset panel to give a little bit of the action of what's happened just before the the panel that surrounds it. So it's not quite, quote, standard where we get like sort of the, you know, six panel layout
0: or something like that. He does play around with panel uh, layout quite a bit, which I I like. But he doesn't have the same abstract shapes for panels that
1: uh, that Bill had. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, he plays it safe in that sense. Yeah.
0: One thing I really liked about how uh, Doug wrote this is his characterization of a pawn shop as where dreams die. (laughs) yeah right that was really clever because when you think about it that's really what it is they people go there with things that they have that they haven't wanted to sell and for for the longest time because there's yeah. some sort of sentimental value to and it out and out of desperation out of desperation this is where they're going this is their last resort and then
1: no uh, one else wants their garbage
0: right and then they go they go well i'll this is temporary i'll sell it to get some money and then when i'm back on my feet or whatever then i'll buy it
1: back and he says no one ever and comes no back. one ever comes back yeah yeah that's right, and people do do that. I remember I had a oh, yeah. um, I had a boss at a tr- department store that I worked at who she she would say that. Um, she got rid of her i don't know some appliance to the pawn shop because she needed the bucks but she'll she and she'd buy it back a couple of months later or something
0: like yeah. that Yeah, and you know, you know uh, they had a job so you know they were able to buy it back but and and so it you know quote worked out there but a lot of people
1: but that don't... wasn't the sentimental stuff that was just like yeah, a, a exactly. bread maker that, that or something too. yeah, like yeah that. right <laughs> it's funny it's just like a, a loaning system a money yeah. loaning system in that sense there's
0: also uh, a phrase that Lenny uses when he's talking to Moon Knight. He calls like himself and his gang. He says that people call them "quote undesirable elements," mm-hmm. and this is a term that's still used today to refer to, um, you know, gang members and drug addicts and people with mental illness and poor and homeless people, all to avoid talking about them as people who have problems and need to be helped. Mm-hmm right it's like oh those are quote undesirable elements we're not even gonna call them undesirable people (laughs)
1: right yeah right yeah yeah just something you sweep under the rug
0: and right they're they're a product of this neighborhood or they're just something that happens to be there which is why
1: most cities have their you know their lower east side or whatever where it it all yeah or whatever it all congregates to that one section and that's so everybody else can just kind of ignore that And then it just gets worse because they, they they sort of sweep it away so um, you know
0: this uh, this was something that was there in the '80s and is still around now, and uh, hopefully...
1: and, and Moon Knight's point yeah is that uh, these undesirable elements can push past this right and they're they young they, they have worth they yeah. have good ideas they're smart they're intelligent um but people aren't giving them the chance
0: right and and the um because they've been dehumanized by this uh this talk of undesirable elements and they've been maybe unfairly characterized as these guys who are just up to no good Whereas uh, Moon Knight says, "What if you actually talk to them and you know give them a chance, give them a out, job, find, yeah. yeah, give them a job, give them a chance, find out their story? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a reason why they're like this."
1: Yeah, and and that is interesting because the people are like, "Well, maybe we should do that," and especially the antique guy, yeah, uh, Lewis, yeah. uh, Lewis, knowing his connections with with Lenny. Um, really tries to do that, but it doesn't. It doesn't work really well. Yeah. Anyway, before we go on to the next issue, there is a, a backup story here. It's called "Fly the Friendly Skies." Yes. And a madman attempts to save the planet by ridding it of humans. <laughs> oh man, that old
0: trope there. Yep. Uh, I I didn't mind the story. It's it's a little short. Um, mm-hmm. It could do with some fleshing out a little bit. Uh, but what i really didn't like partly because it's in a collected volume here is that it interrupts the flow yeah. from the first half of the story mm-hmm. to the second half totally like you you get to the end of that first half and
1: you're like oh man what happens next and then and we then have we this weird this story. other story yeah <laughs> and it's not written by doug mensch, mensch. it's written by steve riggenberg yeah and uh with art from mike hernandez and kevin zuba zuba i think i don't know how to pronounce that properly Mm -hmm. but i've never heard of any of these guys before i don't know i don't know any of them and so, but it, it might be just like a little inventory story that they had that they they could use to fill it in. It's got a few cool moments, like when Moon Knight is fighting the female Furies or whatever they're called. Yeah, it reminds me of that story from I think the from the from the second volume where Marlene goes undercover. Right. Uh, yes. <laughs> and yeah, and there's like all of these bikini babes trying to beat up Moon Knight. <laughs> kind I like that.
0: The thing is that this doesn't particularly seem like a Moon Knight story, so. It- It could have, like you said, been an inventory story where it's just a generic story and you slot whoever you have in there. Yeah. Um, And and part of what makes me think that is that... um the characterization of Crawley is uh the way he talks is not at all crawly hmm. it doesn't use the the, the, the big the words, big and, words yeah. and and like the the intentional obfuscation of meaning and that kind of thing it's it's fairly straightforward
1: and his tropes also like drinking his tea and the yeah, flies buzzing flies around, around his head, like they're, yeah. they're not there right yeah Cause they didn't research properly this villain is an interesting guy though um douglas brenner <laughs> he's very effeminate yeah. he wears ballet slippers and such um he's got a haircut like prince valiant and so mm, i yes he's definitely got like some homosexual coding to his his character design but it doesn't like his. it never comes into the story at it all. never comes into the story <laughs> it's so strange um but yeah anyway that's that's yeah. it there's not much to that story. No it,
0: there's there's one like like I said it's a little too short and so there's some things that sort of get left out like um uh Brenner is uh, says to his bodyguard ladies that he's hired um let go of him he's not a danger right now I'll show him around the ship. <laughs> yeah and 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 then later on the ladies come into a room and go there he is and jump him like He's they like, were well, looking for him why, why did they attack him <laughs> they they knew where he was and what they were what was going on and brenner said to leave him alone yeah and then and then they have a fight and stuff and then after they're defeated they just disappear right
1: yeah not the best part of the, no. of the book there uh, but we can go on to issue number 32 Sure. and this one is called when the music stops uh, so
0: in this one, we are finishing off the story um, from the previous issue. Lenny has just hawked his uh, mother's music box in an attempt to try and prevent the gang from uh, roughing up the, the people, on the, 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 the business owners on the street. And uh, that gets him in a little bit of trouble.
1: Yeah, yeah. So he he wants money because they're putting on this dance. I don't quite understand yeah so it turns out it actually is a dance it actually I know I thought it was just a code for like they're gonna rumble I thought
0: so too and it's an actual dance it's an actual dance <laughs> they're putting up flyers and
1: everything uh, and so yeah he need. they needed money for this dance they're gonna it's shake like, up all the business owners yeah. for the cash it's, just, it's like um, his music box is gonna pay for it all it's
0: like a like a dirty dancing kind
1: of story where it's like
0: oh music isn't allowed in this neighborhood they're like well <laughs> we're gonna form a gang and we're gonna st- have a dance
1: <laughs> it, it's kind of the only weird part of this story by Doug Mench which i, I that you know otherwise i absolutely love it oh it's great but it's so very strange strange. (laughs) a little Um, bit (laughs) right off the bat we get like a three and a half page
0: flashback which seems a little long yeah i but i I made a
1: note of that too four pages actually
0: well i didn't count half of it because it's like lenny reminiscing and before it goes into the flashback okay (laughs) three and a half pages then um but uh uh it doesn't make any mention of Louis being Lenny's dad, as as they mentioned at the end of the last issue, mm-hmm. which is kind of odd. But it does give little bits of different perspective from what we got in the last one. So on the one hand, yeah, it's kind of long. But on the other hand, at least you're getting a little bit more than you got in the last issue.
1: Yeah. And I wonder if they stretch it out because they didn't have a backup story to put in this. <laughs> so yeah, they need exactly. to
0: fill four more pages. <laughs> Uh, I found it interesting that uh, that Moon Knight in this issue says that he'll testify on on uh, on Lenny's behalf, and it's like, really, the the costumed vigilante is gonna like testify in court? <laughs> yeah, right. How, how's that gonna how, How's that gonna work?
1: <laughs> yeah, and the only person who really likes him is this one detective Flint. Yeah, that's been kind of showing up around. Yeah. So. Yeah, so Carl Potts does the inks for this issue. It's very uh, different than Terry Austin's inks <laughs> last time. And I love this f- splash page in the very first page where Moon Knight, uh, like, an, like um, a vision of Moon Knight is towering over this the Doe Row, this, this street where yeah. the merchants are. And the outline of Moon Knight's cape and cowl are not actually there. It's indicated by the crosshatching behind it. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Yeah. It's a kind of a cool effect. Uh, and i'm not sure if that's specific to carl potts or if that's a kevin nolan thing but it's very nice and we see that pop up from time to time just makes it look like he's blending into the night
0: yeah totally um one last thing i wanted to point out on this one is um on page 260 uh when moon knight goes uh or yeah when moon knight goes to the, the the gang's hideout clubhouse um, in the narration it calls their the the gang's leader big chief run like hell because he he abandoned his own crew in the first issue or right. in the, the previous issue um, and that just rubbed me the wrong way because it's clearly just making light of the of, of indigenous people's names right right um, and in the previous issue there was a line about you know Jews always having money mm-hmm. um, and you know that's wrong too I think but um, at, at least you could make Maybe say that the writer was trying to characterize these gang members as like these are bad people. Right. But here, this is the narrator. Right. right. So it has no sort of um, characteristic at all. So then that was just totally unnecessary. I thought. Yeah,
1: I don't think that would fly in today's comics. No. An editor editor would probably flag that. Um, but hopefully. Yeah, that was uh, something that you saw. Um, yeah, but even playing playing Indians and whatever, that yeah. was still something that happened in the 80s. Yeah. At toward the end of this moon. Knight gets really involved, and he um, eventually saves the day. Um, he saves Lenny. He saves Lenny. Yeah, he comes in and beats up all the bad guys, and it's really, really incredibly vicious. Moon Knight isn't usually, um, like, a really graphic, brutal fighter. Not since his, like, first appearance where he had the spikes. Yeah, um, because he's trying to shy away from the Mark Spector personality. He's trying his hardest not to be Mark Spector, but in this issue, he goes full out, and, like... The one panel on page 274, where we see just the giant fist with um, the bloody knuckles and the 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 silhouette, the shadow in the background of Moon Knight just going to town on this guy, it's like that's it seemed a little out of character, and I wonder, like we're doing this the Marvel method, so Doug has his plot and sends it over to Kevin to draw it, and then. Doug will script it after that. Kevin may not realize the the more of the subtleties of the Moon Knight character here. I felt like that was out of place. And you know, this goes back to again
0: what we were talking about last episode, where even Doug and Denny and Bill aren't totally a hundred percent solid <laughs> right. on 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 the intricacies of the Moon Knight character. Yeah. We're gonna find that, yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> find that, out. yeah. And you know
0: that that may have contributed also to the uh, to the, the the downfall of this uh, series. Um, you know, maybe it didn't just didn't have as much of a direction and uh, as people may have wanted. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, um, we're thirty eight issues in by the end of this, and he really only has two, uh, three villains. Uh, he's got Morpheus. Well, okay, okay yeah, maybe four then. I'd call Morpheus a villain. Sure, Morpheus. He's got the um. Scarlet Lady Um, Midnight Man
1: uh, Would you call him a villain? No Okay Now what about the guy with the teeth? Black Spectre Uh, And the Bushman Bushman, yeah Yeah
0: Yeah. But we haven't seen Bushman since the first volume Right And we only saw the, the Scarlet Lady twice Morpheus twice Morpheus twice um, and
1: Black Specter once. I think and that's like Doug tried his hardest not to yeah. make it a, a comic book in the sense that, you yeah. Know, so he, maybe he didn't want the Rogues Gallery. Yeah,
0: right. But I mean, I think that maybe some more um, adversaries specific
1: to his book may have may have helped. A may have bit. helped a little more. Well. We get to see uh, some guest appearances later on that yeah. were hopefully, I, I think they're in there to try and sell the book, but yeah. didn't really work. <laughs> A little too late. <laughs> A little too late. Um, okay, so the end of this issue. I really like the end because at, after this, unfortunately, um, uh, what's his name? Lewis. Lewis dies. Yes in through in the battle and lenny still though buys back the music box and leaves the money on the counter even though lewis is dead yeah and very symbolic he's buying back his life he's buying back his life he's buying back his dream yeah and his mom's dream and so it's an it's a new chapter for him he goes off with the with the music box because he's going to make a new self himself Mm -hmm. i think that was really cool this nice way to end it up
0: yeah and uh and the narration ends with um saying how um yeah you know pawn shops are places where dreams go to die but in this case it actually made one come true and that was the dream of this this street being free of the you know tyranny of the gangs and the, the extortion and i don't know if they ever got that dance
1: (laughs) yeah let's hope that they did and it was nice and everyone had fun that's right the the uh moonlight could be a chaperone (laughs) the uh the flyer said there's live music so that would have been good (laughs) yeah uh, okay, and this is it. This is the end of Doug Bench's run. Yeah. We don't get any more from Doug. And I think that it was, he ended on a high note, I think. Totally. And unfortunately, Bill wasn't there with him. Yeah. But at least the story wasn't a stinker. Like, no. It was great. I mean,
0: you, you look at this one and you look at the previous one, which was
1: another two-parter with the werewolf. Yeah. Um, that was, man, that's a solid end. Yep, yeah, totally. Yeah, he was good right to the end. Uh, there's a there is a backup. I thought that he they added the extra four pages of backup right. because they didn't have a backup story, but they actually there is a backup story here. Right. So Maybe I, it's just I, too yeah. short. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, here is another
0: example. Uh, this one is written by Alan Zelenitz. Right He's,
1: he'll do He'll end up doing the last two issues yes. of, of this story right.
0: but um, of the series. In it. this backup, again, I just felt that he didn't really understand the different identities um, yes. of the Moon Knight character very yep. well. Grant calls Marlene Toots. I'm like he would never <laughs> nope. say that. Maybe maybe Lockley, but probably not. No, yeah. but uh, otherwise, the story's okay. Um, I didn't
1: expect that ending. right, yeah. Yeah, so in this one, Moon Knight responds to a shooting in a hospital. And it. this is... Um, yeah, it was just a nice short story. It reminded yeah. me of just like... Uh you know the old kind of marvel short stories that they would do in like the 50s and 60s as the backup stories it fit right in there it was really nice
0: uh it's titled cancer and um in the similar style to uh doug mensch it's character driven we start off with the scene of a doctor very cold and calculated um Telling this guy that no, your brother's got cancer; and he's not going to live. Yeah, and uh, the guy gets mad, and that oh, you know, you don't care about him; you're not going to try to do anything. Slams the door, and the doctor goes, "Hmm, excellent coffee." <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I think it's um, it's very blunt the way that they wrote that guy to make him seem like a an, oh, yeah. an uncaring guy. Like it was even a little over the top. Yeah, and then.
0: Uh, uh, Steven Grant, who is a donor to the hospital, gets roped in to uh, the story that
1: way because there's a fundraiser dinner. Oh, another thing that I wanted to mention is like you already said that he didn't understand these characters. Moon yeah. Knight cracks jokes in this story. Mm-hmm. Like he he comes off more like a Daredevil or a Spider-Man. Spider-Man yeah. And it's like that. No, Moon Knight doesn't joke ever. Like never. So yeah, there's two jokes. One about um, when they're in the helicopter near the beginning here. He says, "Okay, Frenchie, here's where I fold." Like that's not language that he would no. use. Here, here's where I fold. Cowell Radio WMKT signing off. Yeah. Like really <laughs> Moon Knight's going to say that? <laughs> no. And and not even any of his
0: personalities
1: would say that. And maybe then he, maybe one of those what if personalities. And Steve, and Steven starts talking to Marlene in his Moon Knight costume. Yeah, uh which he Steven. would not do. He would right. always be like, "No, he has to change fully out of his clothes yeah. into his proper attire before he commits to a different personality. And, and here he puts his clothes, his Stephen Grant
0: clothes over top of his Moon Knight, which ends up being sort of integral to the story. But at the same time,
1: that's not something that he does because yeah. that mixes the personalities. And he cracks a Monopoly joke in there as well. And it's like, yeah. God, I don't know, this, it, was, it was a nice short story in terms of the plot. And yeah. I liked the twist at the yeah, end. Totally. I thought that was great. They just didn't nail Moon Knight.
0: And again, you know, this goes to
1: these um, few issues here
0: having real um, social issue type messages. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's really thought provoking.
1: Yep. That's good. Oh, yeah. Keep going over to Moon Knight number 33. This one's called Exploding Myths. And I quite enjoyed this issue. Uh, I thought it was quite well oh, done. Oh, this one was really good. Yep. And it's, it's Doug Mensch. Sorry, there's another Doug <laughs> Mensch issue here. Oh, boy, I I don't know if I should re-edit the entire episode so we don't talk about how much we, we liked him at the end of his issue. But he has another story. And this, I guess, is why I like this issue. <laughs> uh, Wait, and this it's is- drawn by Kevin Nolan again. But, yeah, this one's called Exploding Myths. And we have a, a reporter, Joy Mercado who has appeared in a couple of other Marvel comics.
0: Yeah, it sounds like she's been in Daredevil or something.
1: Yep. Yep. And she's here to do an expose on two people that she doesn't know anything about, but totally interest her. One of them is Moon Knight, and the other is this guy named Druid Walsh. Well, the idea
0: is that these are larger-than-life figures, and she wants to find out if there's
1: any truth to the myths around them. Right yeah and this guy druid walsh uh he's like, he's huge yeah he's, he's like seven or eight feet tall or and something. he's got fangs and tattoos like, and everybody has their opinions on who he who he is or what he, why he does what he does and yeah she so she befriends him now what i like about this one is you get a story and um and this is maybe similar to the punks it's like people expect expect him to be a bad guy because of the way he looks yeah and he really isn't bad he just doesn't really he, he's a little socially awkward he's got no temper or short temper short temper which gets him into some trouble um but through the course of this he eventually finds out that joy used him yeah. for an article yeah and didn't actually want to have anything to do with do with him he gets really angry it's like you okay so you because you you said you said she befriends him but really she basically asked him out on a date yes she yeah manipulates him into thinking that she's interested in him in a romantic way which he's never had that before yeah and so in the end it's like oh yeah well everybody i'm gonna play into the myths that everybody thinks i am i'm gonna be the bad guy You, um i'm gonna blow up this building with you and me in it and uh, and so that's that's where the story ends up with the big yeah. explosion at the end. And it was really interesting, I thought, to just get into the mind of this guy who at the beginning of the book is painted as a bad guy, as yeah. a thug, as a thief, as a villain. And, um, and he's not really that at all misunderstood. Yeah. And, and-, and, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that he actually
0: wasn't able to read. Yeah. um and my guess would be that um that he's dyslexic yeah because he said you know it, it was just really hard for me to learn how to read uh, and he never really got there um but even you know in the in the 80s that's not something that would be regularly diagnosed and not something where there'd be any sort of extra support for it yeah you know you're you're
1: just dumb and unfortunately or, that means yeah. he uh, doesn't do well in school he probably drops out probably, yeah and doesn't have can't get a job and and runs with the wrong crowd and then his life is ruined
0: yeah and starts going to wrestling and maybe couldn't read the fine print gets the the teeth modifications and all of a sudden he can't wrestle anymore because that's dangerous and
1: yeah yeah, it, it's kind of a sad story, and I and Joy is just a piece of work. And oh, she man. ends up kind of being the unknowing villain in this story, and yeah. and they play it up really, really well. Yeah, I like at the end how how Moon Knight
0: challenges her to consider how she um, uh, carries herself as a reporter. Yeah, and how she uh, um, how she goes about her investigations and and considering the consequences of her actions.
1: Yeah, it's very good. Uh, What's the last line he says here? Um, Because I thought it was good. He says, now go back to your city room in triumph. And if you hurry, maybe you can chronicle one more exploded myth, the myth of the uninvolved reporter. Right.
0: I'm just going to stand back and report and just let things unfold in front of me.
1: Yeah. And I think what Doug is trying to get at is that all reporters interject their own, either their own bias into their reporting, yep. no matter how, you know, neutral they try to Neutral this is supposed yeah. to be. Or they orchestrate things through the reporting in order to tell the story they want to tell. Yeah. Like a confirmation bias almost kind of yeah. thing. Well, this is the way that happened and I was
0: there. Yeah. But you kind of set it up that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like on page 316, this is the last page, uh, there's a conversation between Joy and Moon Knight, and it's just two separate panels of their, their faces yeah. facing each other. And then the speech bubbles are all down the middle in between the two panels.
1: Yeah, I don't know why they did that. It's a lot of exposition. Like, I... I wonder if there were panels in there, but Doug was like, I have too many words to try and wrap up this in this, in this last page. Yeah. And especially when they have that last panel with nothing in it or no, no text in it, which you need, which you need. You totally. totally yeah. You absolutely need that panel because it shows the, how guilty joy yeah, feels the over the whole thing. Plus the burning background, the burning building in the background. Right. Um. But yeah, I mean, there's that one panel in the middle that is just all words. And you can't fit that in there if there's picture along with it. I was okay with that. Yeah, it worked. And again, you know,
0: this is something that we saw with with Doug, but it's just, it was a little or sorry, uh, with Bill. Yeah. But it was just a little more um, artistic in the way that it was done. Right. Where the text was all over the the, the
1: negative space. That one, you could tell that he allotted for that kind of thing. This one looks like it was done out of necessity or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, one last thing that
0: I noticed on this one, uh, right at the beginning, page 303, when they're discussing uh, Druid, they they call him, the Titan with feet of clay, and this is probably a biblical reference to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. He had a dream where there was a statue of him, and it was made of different materials, and the feet were made of of like clay and iron. Sometimes they people just say it was just clay. And then there's like a big rock that comes and smashes the feet, and the whole the whole statue crumbles.
1: Yeah, that phrase has definitely become sort of a phrase that people will use in 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 writing and or in just kind of language for sure. Um, In fact, I think we find we don't don't they say feet of clay later on in this book in one of the later issues too. I can't remember. I think Um, I read that. I didn't notice it. Okay, next issue here, issue number 34, with a nice cover from Bill Sienkiewicz. Um, However, it is not drawn by Bill, nor is it written by Doug. (laughs) This um, This one's called Primal Scream. Tony Isabella takes up writing. He'll write a few issues here, and Bo Hampton is the artist, and he'll also draw a few issues here. Uh, Personally, I found this to be a little bit of a confusing story just because of a lot of back and forth between flashbacks and leaping to conclusions.
0: Yeah, it wasn't very clear when we're going to flashback and when we're not. And um, yeah, just the way that the flow of the
1: story goes is not, it doesn't flow that well. (laughs) Yeah. So the basic premise of the issue is that there is this new drug that is giving people, I guess, I don't know if it like heightens their adrenaline so much that they like appear to have some sort of superhuman strength or abilities or or something but they go primal
0: yeah well some of it like actually looks like there's some transformation that goes on of some kind and so maybe it depends on your exposure
1: I don't know it's
0: never really explained
1: yeah because one person at the end turns into a big hairy werewolf type of a beast yeah Um, but these other guys that are here just are acting like like a tiger or something yeah (laughs) exactly uh, and so we are, we're we're thrown right into the middle of this, and Moon Knight is battling this guy named Frank. And then it splits off into two stories where, where Moon Knight goes off to try and figure out why Frank is acting the way he is. And then the other part of the story follows Frank as he attacks Jenna in her diner. Yeah. And apparently she has um, a history with Frank. Um, he always hung around, and she practically raised him, she says. Yeah. Um, And he tries to kill her because he's not in his right mind. He just has this viciousness that is overwhelming. Yeah,
0: she says, none of my kids have grown up to be gang members. I don't understand why anybody would become a gang member. And now all of a sudden she finds that one of her her kids um, or people she's raised as a kid is a gang member. And that sort of, that troubles her.
1: This issue is a catalyst for Jenna uh, being written out of the book. Uh, This is kind of, she she has a uh, she goes through a little crisis because of this traumatic event and will eventually you know move and we'll see that in actually in the second half of this book she makes starts to make some plans which is too bad because it's kind of nice that each
0: um uh each aspect each um personality of moon knight has his own supporting cast right um but well lockley still has crawley that's true that's true but um you know uh It added a base of operations for him. Yeah, totally. And and a place where uh, people could get in touch with Moon Knight, as we saw in this one, I think. Yep. But uh, at the same time, what do you do with her kids? Because, you know, yeah. it, very early on, her kids are like, I don't know, seven and ten or something. And, and, Moon and they were informants them. for him yeah. for Moon Knight, I know. Moon, Moon recruits <laughs> them to do all sorts of crazy things. And then every time he comes uh, up to them, they're like, oh, do you have more work for us? We want to do more work. Yeah. <laughs> And and so now we've set this precedent that these kids are always going to be involved in his uh, his escapades, and I'm sure Jenna's they... thrilled at that, right? And, yeah. and 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 I don't know, maybe the editors we're trying to discourage that by this time or something but
1: yeah it, 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 it yeah. becomes tricky there i think it's just too bad because jenna is a voice of the community that moon knight is protecting yeah and to take her out of it means that we don't get that perspective
0: right you know so crawley yeah he's in the neighborhood but he represents like the seedy element of it um he has the the low life connections he's yeah. he's in the alleys he's in the back rooms and the bars
1: yeah whereas jenna is just the low-income aspect of it she's the average person yeah yeah uh and then marlene is the high society yes so yeah taking out it's it's too bad and i mean i guess we the the series is canceled before like jenna's not in every issue and the series is canceled before we really find out how her her not being there really affects things so it's kind of inconsequential unfortunately that she leaves so through the course of this book there are um three flashbacks And we find out that for some reason, coincidentally, and I find that a little bit ridiculous, that all three uh, of Mark's personalities have ties to this primal, project primal, that's this drug that's turning people crazy.
0: Yeah, I found that weird too. Like, I mean, maybe um, the Stephen Grant connection is okay. Yeah. But then it did, just the fact that it ties into one of um, Mark Spector's... Uh, missions from <laughs> missions, years and years yeah. ago
1: that he remembers. Oh, is, yeah, I found that kind of uh, odd. And uh, But I like the... Kevin Nolan, um, when he does the flashbacks, he puts his panels in rounded corners so that we know that they're flashbacks, which I thought was nice. However, he doesn't do that for Mark Spector's... Um, yeah, that was the one that I was most confused by and that confused me too because all of a sudden like now are we in reality are we in the present day and like some of the things are unfolding with moon knight meeting up with that werewolf creature or whatever which i thought is this part of the flashback i, yeah, I the, couldn't
0: the, place it the beginning of the flashback is
1: fairly obvious but then the end was not clear yeah um, and that guy the the werewolf guy is Cade. apparently he um I don't even know what his what role he plays in this. He's like the gang leader or something but he's is he supplying the drugs to all of these other people or something or well it wasn't drugs it was like
0: the, the it was toxic a chemi- chemical chemicals that yeah. they just found and I guess my understanding of it is these this group this this group of teenagers was sort of squatting in an abandoned building and um alkane found like a toxic waste barrel or something <laughs> yeah and opened it up and then discovered that by inhaling the fumes he got strong but then over time it like had more negative effects but that's all guesswork <laughs> yeah
1: yeah it's not a very straightforward story and so we get and we get to the end and al Al-Kade, um like he's arrested i guess but is he still a werewolf or yeah, right like he, we don't see him turn back but in the next story we find out that he was arrested and stuff and it's like i, I don't know i just found this one to be yeah. very strange
0: very strange um i did find it interesting um on page 325 um because jenna's being being attacked um then muna gets really upset right and right at the bottom he actually makes a distinction for himself between being an agent of vengeance versus being vengeance itself oh, okay I'm like oh yeah. that's really interesting So it's like, you know, if I end up beating up on somebody, like great, whatever, that's vengeance acting through me, but I should not be going out to look for that on a in a particular instance myself
1: hmm and so what is he doing in this instance
0: well he was he was going to be vengeance and he's trying to stop himself from that he's he's not like i need to hunt this guy down and beat him up it's you know i need to get to the bottom of this hole whatever
1: yeah this is something that um that moon knight is going to wrestle with through kind of the rest of this book
0: yeah whatever's left
1: yeah whatever's left the last few issues uh that's a major theme is is what is his role um and how can he prevent himself from going too far and all this kind of stuff
0: yeah and again
1: we brought this up a couple times that goes to just the uncertainty
0: of his character (laughs) yep
1: yeah Oh, okay, uh, yeah. Backup story. Yes. The backup story in this one is it's weird. It's, it's called weird. The Vault of Night. And the actual title is called Scorecard. But you would think that the title is called The Vault of Night because of the way it's laid out.
0: Yeah. So it's Stanley presents The Vault of Night, which I guess
1: was maybe
0: something they were going to do to title their backups.
1: No, it's, or... this is a parody. This is a parody of an old EC comic called oh. uh, called Hunt of fear um or yeah haunt of fear and you know like uh, tales from the crypt and that kind of thing like that's right. what this is the the mascot you know how tales of the crypt had the crypt the keeper Cooper, yeah. well the va- the the um haunt of fear had a witch an old witch and this guy here with the uh, with the umpire outfit and the baseball cap it's a parody of that witch character from haunt okay. of fear
0: that makes a little more sense
1: yeah but it's completely out of left field because it's funny. It's a, it's supposed to be sort of satiric and comedic. And like, why did, what is it doing in Moon Knight? And especially
0: in this issue, um, you know, we have... Uh, Jenna closing up the diner and really, like, wrestling with this traumatic experience that she's gone through,
1: and now we have a comedy backup. Right, and I, maybe I could forgive it if it were a completely separate story, but it actually is a continuation of the story. Like, we find out in this one that Alkine dies... Um, while he's in police custody yeah it's I mean it's a good epilogue in terms of what
0: is brought up but the presentation is just so weird Uh, I'm not really sure of the point of this backup story
1: yeah I don't know either it's also written by Tony Isabella. And I think he just was having fun, probably. It just seemed like it was out of place. Time and place, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but this is where we find also the plans that Jenna has to leave. Like right. She is done with this city. She There's a job in Buffalo uh, that's being offered to her. So that's where she's going to go. Uh, Houston. Houston. There's a job in Houston even further away. <laughs> that And that's where she plans to go.
0: Yeah, you know, just um, reconsidering if this is what could be happening to her and her kids in this neighborhood where she's a respected member and, you know, she's done her part to, like, make it a safe place, um, yet it's still that dangerous. Maybe it's time for her, for the sake of her and her kids, to go somewhere
1: else. Yeah. Well, should we keep going? Yeah. We'll keep going here to issue... 35 special double size issue not sure why it's double size because they didn't have a backup story issue 30 (laughs) well no they'd have to i don't know it's just it's because it's because it's got cameos in it yeah and moon knight's already a 30 page story this one's 46 pages and um and it like no real reason why it should be double size in fact i think there's a lot of filler in this issue yeah that could be taken out but um this one is called second wind written by tony isabella drawn by kevin nolan i did like kevin nolan in this one yeah um he's still still great and out of all of the tony isabella issues i think this is probably the best one that he's done Mm -hmm. um carl potts and joe chiodo on inks um This is the issue where we find that uh, everything that Doug Mensch has been trying to build towards is completely undermined. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, no superheroes in my book, please. And not only do we get superheroes, but we get like all of the superheroes in one book. So
0: uh right on the front cover it mentions that there's going to be uh, that it's featuring the X-Men and Fantastic Four. Yeah. And I find this very strange because they're clearly trying to put the X-Men and Fantastic Four into sell issues, but then they don't put the X-Men or the Fantastic Four on the cover at all.
1: Yeah, right. It's like if you're not a kid's not gonna notice that. Um they'll just breeze just right. By, yeah. They'll breeze right by Moon Knight because there's yeah, it's just a little little I don't know, sunburst in the mm-hmm. corner that yeah. says X-Men and Fantastic. Fantastic Four. not even Read it's just me. the text um, oh yeah it's not even in a sunburst <laughs> but they have the fly right on the right on the cover which so... confused me because i only really
0: remember the fly from the the archie comics <laughs> yeah right i <laughs> didn't yeah, realize it was the, a spider-man guy
1: not the same one i think
0: yeah but then here's the other part. Um, they have the um, X-Men and Fantastic Four in this issue, but then this prologue story here ties into Spider-Man.
1: Yeah. And it, and it can, tells
0: you, go read Spider-Man after this.
1: And I tried looking that up because it's an issue of Spectacular Spider-Man, but uh, I don't have any collection that has those issues, and it's not on Marvel Unlimited. So, ah. so yeah. The, 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 so Moon Knight stops the fly from committing a crime. The fly flies off. And we don't understand at all the context of that story. And it says, if you want to find out what he stole, go check out Spider-Man. But I think that's another way for them to try and sell Moon Knight. Because I'm sure in the the Spider-Man issue, issue, they're like, hey, kids, check out Moon Knight to see what happens. Yeah, (laughs)
0: Yeah. exactly. But then in the process of stopping the fly, um, Moon Knight is thrown up against a wall and actually injures his back severely. Um, To the point where
1: he must be he had to have a lot of surgery done and he's confined to a wheelchair Yeah, and now this really starts the existential crisis. What happens when you can't be Moon Knight who is he (laughs) like is he is he steven is he mark like if he doesn't have the reason for being the multiple personalities who is he
0: Mm -hmm. and i mean even as uh, denny mentioned in
1: one of his editorials moon knight
0: is one of those personalities so yeah he still got this moon knight personality in there somewhere but he can't come out he can't manifest or whatever
1: yeah um jenna says her goodbyes and they kind of write Crawley out of the story here, too, because it's like, well, he is an informant. uh, um, Lockley actually pays him for information, and that's how crawley is able to live on the streets because he gets sort of an income from from lockley yeah but if there's no moon knight then there's no information yeah to be taken and there's the scene where marlene tries to give him some money just to hold him over while uh while steven heals but jake uh, but but crawley's like no no no, i can't accept your charity i'll work for my money in the honest way right and he leaves and I don't think that we see him in the rest of this book now. Yeah. So they, they're like, they're cutting out all of the personalities. And I kind of wonder if Tony Isabella's goal, had he been on the book for longer, it was to get him down to one. Was to get him down to one, to mm. get him down to mm-hmm. only Stephen Grant. Because yeah. they're obviously trying to distance themselves from uh, Mark Spector. Like, right. that's a big part of this story yeah. is like, I don't want to be Mark Spector anymore. And now we've gotten rid of all of the Jake Lockley supporting casts. Right. Yeah. Could be. Could be.
0: Um, I also found it very strange that they all rush over to Stephen Grant's house because, um, at least as far as I can remember, they don't, like, uh, Crawley and and, and, uh, Gina don't actually know that
1: they... They do. They know all about him. There was there was one issue where he oh, spilled the right. beans to all that's of them. Right. Yes, he he told them all nope. his secret. That's right. So they, they, this is not yeah. out of no, the ordinary. That's right. This is fine. Um, but this issue was well, there. The whole subplot, or well, not the subplot, it becomes the main plot. Yeah. is this girl who uh, she's a ballet dancer from Russia. From Russia. Um, is getting her revenge on all of these ballet people who had um, uh, mistreated her in the past well
0: more than that they they defected one of the ways to leave the USSR and, and seek asylum in in the United States was to be part of the arts oh yeah and so and so they're like no we're like great dancers you know we're gonna go to the states and we'll'll we'll, we'll be our ballet dancers there and so she sees them them as being traitors to the country
1: Hmm. I must have skimmed over that part. <laughs> <laughs> what I didn't understand here—they do a terrible. Kevin does a terrible job of relaying the fact that she's like over seven feet tall. Yeah, I, I never really—I didn't get that at saw all. That. The first appearance of her on page three sixty-eight—is uh, this the first appearance of her? No, there's a shadowy alley scene. Oh yeah, but she's walking in a doorway, and her head is like hitting the top of the door frame, and I could just chalk that up as bad composition
0: right maybe um you know the she's actually through the door and the door is a little further behind or something or he
1: just wasn't paying attention to scale like that's not uncommon in comics in the 80s and and none of the other panels here at all really show us the scale of how big how tall she's really supposed to be
0: i'm just above that door um panel you can sort of maybe tell that she's got crazy long legs and stuff but then she's got this wide stance and and Everybody else is far in the background. There's nothing right. really. To we give don't a know the perspective. There's yeah. no
1: context there, uh, and you know, J. Scott Campbell's women always have really, really long legs. Well, exactly. So it's like, so you <laughs> <don't>, who knows? <laughs> it's just a stylistic thing, or what? Right. But apparently, she's a mutant, and one of the, her mutant traits is that she is really, really tall, and she can control wind. Yeah. Um, I there are a bunch of things here that I found unusual about the way Xavier conducted himself. Yeah, me too. He was very out of character. For one thing, he he was like I can't I don't know anything about these mutants without having met them before. Um, and then
0: he goes to like, he goes on to pretty much say exactly what it is
1: in a, in a really convoluted way. He's yeah. like, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen her, so I don't know anything about her wind powers, but I suspect that she opens a little portal with into her space mind. with her mind <laughs> and sucks the wind from somewhere else and blows it over here. It's like, and really, and That's where, the conclusion your cut, <laughs> like he's got a wind powered mutant already on his team. Why yeah. couldn't it be just the same as that?
0: Right. And also, you know, he... Well, because um, Storm would manipulate the air that's already there. This is the cold Arctic wind that's somehow coming in. Right. Like, she can actually drop temperatures to below freezing with her wind. So that might be part of it.
1: But But still. She could still manipulate... The actual air, the sure. temperature to do that rather right. than open a little portal yeah. to, to bring <laughs> the Arctic and air in. There's nothing in, here. in
0: the art to to indicate that there's a, a, an open portal or anything like that.
1: Yeah, there's one part also where, it, it, while when there's the main attack. On stage where what, what's the girl's name i can't even bosa. Remember. oh yeah bosa where bosa attacks and xavier is holding back the mutants his team he's holding back the x-men saying don't attack moon knight asked us to just wait and see but like isn't xavier's interest or his like his main thing to help mutants like why would he want her to come to any harm th- like through moon knight Mm-hmm. Uh, like he should be coming to her rescue and like bringing her so, into his fold. Bora. Sorry. Bora. Yeah, yeah. That's oh yeah, Bora, of course, because of like Northern Lights or yeah. whatever. Um, but yeah, so I didn't really understand Xavier's motivations through this. It didn't seem like his normal self. Right. And he's got Cerebro. Yeah. He should, he should know about her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I
0: mean, even if he's like, well, she's in Russia, whatever, like when she comes to the United States and starts causing problems, he should know about this. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and the Fantastic very, very 4 have a very small role as well. They just kind of play defense and get get people out of there. Yeah. Same with the rest of the X-Men in fact. They they're just there to rescue people. Um, I, I don't think you can ask much more of these cameo appearances though, uh, because that's really all they are. Mm-hmm. But, but it, man,
0: did they manage to cram a lot of people into one book?
1: Yeah. And through it all, Stephen Grant comes to the conclusion that he, um, wants to try and be just Mark Spector. I mean, sorry, just, just Stephen, Stephen Grant. Grant. Yeah. He realizes that he wants... he You know, the world needs Moon Knight. At one point, he was going to give up being Moon Knight because of he his walk. condition yeah. and stuff. But then he got through that. But, um, I don't know, through a series of things, he's, like, kind of trying to rid himself of Mark his Mark Specterness. But then... Um, and I guess Jake as well, but then they never actually make any
0: sort of um, obvious attempt in the story for him to do that. Right? No, they don't. It's not like he goes to therapy to try and figure out why there are these other personalities and you know, <laughs> or anything like that. Right?
1: Well, and I th- yeah, I wonder if that's part of like we never really know if he truly does have this DOD um issue or did sorry did issue we don't know if that's an actual medical condition of his or if he's just playing roles right so if he is going to just drop lockley then whatever um or if he wants to be stephen grant like actually do a name change with the government and like that's his actual personality or his actual identity right um then fine i guess if he doesn't actually have his did issues. But if he does, then he needs some therapy or something. Yeah. Or some medication. Well and speaking of crossovers and
0: cameos, we (laughs) went to issue thirty six. And we've got Doctor Strange and they do put him on the
1: cover this time. Yes. Uh this one is entitled Ghosts. Alan Zelenitz and Bo Hampton uh pick up the reins. Both of these guys have done issues before. Not together though. And this is the team that's going to be here for the rest of the book. Yeah. uh, The last three issues. And the, this issue... And here's another issue that sort of contradicts stuff that we've been trying to build up. We had that great issue uh, a few issues back where, where um, Stephen goes back to Egypt right. and confronts Khonshu and realizes Khonshu is just a statue. He, it's nothing more than that. He doesn't have supernatural powers. He is, him, he is himself... And he doesn't... There's no magical what's it He survived by some sort of fluke. Yeah. Yeah. And that was it. Like, it was was a revolutionary story that set the record straight that it's like, no, he always has been himself and always will be himself. And there's none of this, this magic mysticism and mumbo jumbo. This issue completely changes that back around again. Yeah. So we start off with a flashback to ancient Egypt. And
0: there is... Um, we see some sort of priest of some kind sacrificing a cat and you know in ancient egypt cats are sacred creatures so this other rival priest or whatever comes in and says hey you can't do that and then they kill him and they have a big fight and he dies and they like bind him up as a mummy and give him a special magic jewelry thing that says you know you're never gonna bother anybody again unless (laughs) unless the conditions are exactly (laughs) perfect but that's never gonna happen Um. Yeah. And so in this one, Stephen Strange gets uh, wind of, of, you know, this magical interference uh, that's related to an Egyptian museum exhibit. And he eventually tells Moon Knight that you are like when you were resurrected, you were infused with the spirit of this priest of Khonshu.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, yeah, like you said, that's totally the opposite. And uh, at, the, at the end, Stephen Grant goes... I may not like it, but I believe him. <laughs> I like, oh, man, really? And and again, this just goes back to um, playing around with the origin and the identity of the character. And had Moon Knight been clearly established for, you know... 35 issues before this i would not be that upset about this change um because that happens all the time right hey spider man you're not actually bitten by a radioactive spider you are the spider totem yeah right yeah exactly (laughs) but um but uh and then that can be the evolution of the character but because we've had such uncertainty about
1: his identity and character this just makes it more confusing yeah it does and it's like it's the third writer now who is trying to institute their own changes yeah um at first we had doug and then we had tony and now we have alan and it's like they're not talking to each other or like doug didn't leave a good set of notes of like hey guys you're gonna do this character now here's what you should know (laughs) so that brings me to like well what
0: were the editors doing
1: yeah right yeah, like yeah. this,
0: and and Denny even says in the uh, at the very end here that you know he was part of the team who created Moon Knight. He was involved there. It was his idea. To make it this whole like um die in the in the shrine and, and be resurrected thing. So where is he in all of this?
1: Maybe he felt like he couldn't dictate to Doug who about his own creation. But Maybe. now that Alan's coming in, he's like, Hey Alan, can we do the story where we can right. give, give him back the powers?
0: <laughs> right, actually. That would make sense. Yeah. Because um it was Doug who didn't want the mystical stuff. Yeah. But um but Denny did because that was his contribution to the right. origin
1: and now we're now right now doug is gone yes and uh and maybe denny is trying to get it that that would it explain him that could be yep uh, but it doesn't stop there the next two issues are uh some more of the twist oh, and turns yep. as well yep. so do you have anything more you want to say about this dr strange issue did you like dr strange's cameo in this or his guest appearance um in this?
0: it was okay it uh, he was a little terse with them he could have maybe explained himself better it's got all the classic you know dr strange spells in it the the crimson bands of sidorak and you know that kind of stuff so you know it's it's a it's a pretty solid
1: dr strange cameo (laughs) i think he i can't remember if he was between books at this time if his if his old series had ended and the sorcerer supreme hadn't started up yet Uh, Cause he w- I think he was presumed dead around that time, or maybe it was the Strange Tales issues with uh, Cloak and Dagger mm. when during that period. But he doesn't have the eye patch. I don't know. I, I felt his character was written pretty well. It- it- he he's sort of self centered and um, yeah. I mean, I I, boorish, kind I, of I the... haven't
0: read much Doctor Strange from this sort of era, this time of the comics. So I don't know what his personality was like in the rest of the comics but i mean it sort of fits with his early surgeon kind of personality yeah uh less so with his more modern um re- relaxed um confident in his role kind of um, right. you know helping other people out kind of thing so that's what I—that's the only thing I have to compare it to. So he seems really sort of um, uh, short and annoyed
1: with people, but, but yeah. that's kind of how he is. <laughs> that's, probably, that's probably how he was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The issue itself isn't that bad. I mean, it has the standard—the uh, the jewel ends up possessing the wearer, kind of a story, and um, and, and there's there's you know we, we get, need the spirit inside you to reseal it. We get some uh, Steve Ditko-ish kind <clears throat> of backgrounds when we go to different dimensions, which is standard fare for Doctor Strange. So yeah. that's kind of neat to see and then he kind of just flies off in the end and that's that's about it yeah not much to say about this one yeah but we can go on to number 37 this is the beginning of a two-part story this one's called red sins um and it is yep written by alan zelenitz drawn by bo hampton uh, with armando gill on the inks and who does this cover I'm not sure who does the cover, um, but it's the same person who's been doing the past couple of covers. I don't recognize the signature, so I can't <laughs> This think. is
0: why they started um, putting in, uh, in recent comics, the
1: cover art yeah. credit. <laughs> I should Google that, but I'll do it later. But anyway, so in this in this story, um, this it, Stephen Grant gets word that Mark Spector's father is on his deathbed. And he doesn't know what to do about it because he doesn't want to be Mark Spector anymore. So it's like, why would I want to go? And also he's been estranged from his father for 18 years. So why does he want to go be next to his ailing father who he who doesn't care about? Who is not even his father because he's Stephen Grant. Right. Uh, we get a little bit of a backstory Um, about his upbringing and kind of what drove him to become a mercenary. Um, He actually, his father is a rabbi and he's got very Jewish roots, which he's never mentioned before. Um, But, you know, he's turned away from all of that and, uh, and became a mercenary and his father didn't like that at all.
0: Practically disowned him.
1: Yeah. So this issue is him, um, I don't even know what he's doing most of the issue it kind of it reminded me of um, of just the way that the story was told and a lot of the artwork was very similar to um, a story like a spirit story by Will Eisner from like from the 40s oh right yeah and because it it had that aspect as well because it was dealing a lot with uh, the Jewish people in the tenements in New York and and that was something that Will Eisner talked about all the time um It just gave me that feeling. And then when when Detective Flint comes in and he's wearing that cap, it felt like... Um, it felt like the spirit walking yeah. through the door there.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, he, Moon Knight is rattled by this information, doesn't know what to do with it. So he sort of starts really going nuts on whoever he ends up fighting, uh, some just like random gang people. Um, and uh, there's a fire and uh, it's in a it's in a tabernacle or synagogue. Yeah. And uh, he goes in to save the uh, rabbi who ran back in and the rabbi ran back in to save the, the Torah scroll. Um, and so all of this sort of leads him to sort of think, well, maybe I should, uh, maybe things are sort of pointing that I should go toward my, uh, talk to my dad. Yeah.
1: And um, And then when he does go to wherever his dad is, he yeah. realizes that his dad has already died. Right. There's also this underlying
0: message of um, racism or anti-Semitism. Yeah. Um, which is all, which also plays into that as well. Um, somebody has been... Uh, spray painting swastikas um, all over the place. And, um, you know, they burned down the synagogue and and tagged it as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. This one, this issue was very much a kind of figuring out for, for Stephen Grant who he... Is who who he wants to be and who he should be. And who Mark Spector is still Uh, as well. Yeah, exactly. Is there any redemption in Mark Spector? Is there any worth keeping that personality around or should he get rid of it altogether? Now that his dad dies, he makes a note that all of his family is gone now. His mom is gone, brother's gone. Yeah, so if Mark Spector just disappeared, no one will care. That's it, yeah. Yeah. Um, And then at the very end, it takes a, a twist and the body's gone. Yes. So what happened to the body? Yeah.
0: Um, Right at the beginning of this issue, we have um, a scene of uh, Marlene working out, doing her daily gymnastics routine and stuff. Yep. And (laughs) I feel like that was thrown in kind of like in the issue where she goes undercover. Um, I believe in that one. She was learning scene, Judo. She's learning Judo. Yeah. We had a scene where she was like specifically that she's learning Judo so she could use that later on. Well, she
1: said that she has been learning it yes. for like years or something right. like that. So so
0: here she's she basically is commenting on how in their mansion they have like an Olympic um gymnastics setup. Yeah. And she's been like training herself and going through this daily routine of all this. Right. And she's getting pretty good. And again, this is specifically for one instance at the end of the issue where she saves Moon Knight.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yep. Um I th- we actually get to learn a lot about jewish customs yeah and Judea- judaism and in, in general and marlene takes a class sits in on a class that one of the professors is well that's actually in the next issue oh that's in yes. the next issue but um i like that aspect because it's like yeah she actually was really interested as a uh, um, an archaeologist in the linguistics right. and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, she could learn about this ancient um, religion as well. She might find that interesting,
0: yeah, it's um it it centers on uh, a sort of branch of Judaism that deals more some more like uh, mysticism called uh, Kabbalah.
1: yeah, 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 and that that leads to the dark arts, or whatever. And that's kind of where we, the next issue takes us. It goes in a very different direction because now all of a sudden, uh, what was we thought kind of a personal story about identity, uh, about strange fathers, and about just you know some anti-Semitism, whatever. Now we're talking about the occult and supernatural (laughs) stuff. So, (laughs) the the body is which we haven't seen since the the Werewolf by Night issue. (laughs) I guess not. Yeah, the body is stolen because this guy in a red cloak says that uh, um, apparently you can raise the body
0: um, yeah. and and uh, um, the secrets, that he knew will all be mine and nobody else's.
1: And, yeah, yeah, because he's done <clears throat> very important research in this field, This um, Mark Spector's father yes. has, and has all of these secrets locked in his brain, and so this guy wants to get them all out of
0: him. Right, so we're getting ahead of ourselves here. we got to finish off issue 37. Oh, do we? Yeah, there's a small backup story oh, here. Oh, right, 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 right. And it's just a series of uh, pinups um, featuring Crawley. Yeah. And uh, the first one has him sitting on a stoop, and he has a sign that says, "Regale you with tales of heinous crimes I myself have had a hand in solving." One dollar, <laughs> and here's the part that I love. This is so crawly. Plus gratuity, plus eight percent sales tax. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and then it just goes through to uh, give a couple examples of um, uh, of the uh, his involvement in Moon Knight's escapades and. Uh, from the looks of things in the art, maybe they might be slightly embellished. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's so good. It's really great. And they're all drawn by Bill So that's really cool to see him back doing a few things. And I wonder if these were written specifically for this issue or if they pulled them out of something that he had done in the past. Uh, I'm not sure, but they're very, very nice. Mm hmm. So now we come to issue 38, yes.
0: the final one, and it is titled The Final Rest. This is where we get the title of the,
1: um, of, the of the collection. collection. That's yes. right. And it's kind of a double meaning because it definitely refers to um, bringing uh, Mark Spector's father to final rest, like getting yes. his his um, his body to, like, because the body comes back to life, they have to put him back in the ground. But it also is final rest for Stephen Grant slash Mark Spector. Because he comes to some conclusions at the end of who he is, right? And this is, and it also is final
0: rest of the series
1: of the series. Because they yes. knew at this point
0: that they weren't going to be going on. Yeah, very interesting. So in this one, here's where we
1: have um, Zohar, as he calls himself. Yeah, um, it's a classic Scooby Doo <laughs> setup, right? Where the guy that you meet at the beginning ends up being the masked villain in the end. <laughs>
0: right so we have zohar uh figuring out how to resurrect this body and um we have moon knight um, raking through the entire underworld trying to figure out where this body is of the body of his dad um and we also have uh marlene who is trying to pack up all of um mr specter's belongings yeah uh to donate to a uh where are they donating it to the uh to the jewish school or something like that Right. Seminary library. There yeah. it is. Yeah. And Marlene is interrupted by Zohar. And so it all ties together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is where Marlene starts to get uh, uh, take the class and get some more information about this, uh, um, about this uh, section um, of uh, Judaism. And I don't know what's going on with that. And we also have um, Mark slash Moon Knight fighting Zohar and right at the end right when he finds out um that zohar is his dad's student he's come face to face with his resurrected father i like not resurrected necessarily he's not he's zombified
1: yeah um he yeah he's just made to come back to life or whatever animated yeah reanimated that's it reanimated and uh, the way that they do that is they wrote the hebrew for truth on his forehead right and that brought him, his body, back to life. And then to, to, to destroy the, no, to, to take the life back out of him, yeah. you just have to erase one of the Hebrew letters and it changes the word to dead and that breaks the spell so i thought that was kind of cool um yeah and, so and you...
0: again this is um marlene doing something yes. specifically for the purpose of coming in the last second
1: that's right she took that class so that she would have the knowledge of uh, how to get rid of that guy in the end yeah yeah but what does uh, steve grant say on that last page there um
0: i think mark specter has at last succeeded uh laying to rest the bitterness of his past and reconciling with his father's memory i think i've found a peace of mind i never knew before almost feel like a new person oh mm-hmm. <laughs> and marlene says well the last thing we need is another person yeah i love that <laughs> it was a good line yeah and that brings us to the end yeah um I, I wonder I wonder when they knew uh, that they were coming to the end.
1: I mean, I guess... They didn't know when Doug left. Right. Because Doug left on his own. Yes. Um, Bill left on his own. And this is bi-monthly, right? So we're talking probably these last six issues is a whole year. That's that's true, yeah. Because, I mean, I was going
0: to say... And it, it makes it hard because they had a couple of different writers and a couple of different artists in between all these... Um, I kind of like the end of issue thirty-six, the Doctor Strange issue, as the as the final issue, um, where he sort of has this realization of here's the difference in my origin. I don't I don't like it, but I believe him, mm-hmm. and that then that make, I think that makes a pretty good end. Whereas this one, uh, after that point, we go on. There's more struggling with who he is and stuff, but that part doesn't actually come into it at all. And, um, right, they don't talk about and, the new powers and, or yeah, no, and and or then or anything. there's there's not even a um in this uh reflection that he has at the end. There's not even really a statement of I'm going to keep Mark Specter or I'm going to you know just be Stephen Grant or anything like that. There's or, not really... or how does this affect Moon Knight there's, or and, yeah? And they're getting on a plane to go back to New York. It's not really a resolution. Yeah, yeah. So it, you know. Uh, It would have been nice had they known to maybe switch that up. But again,
1: like I said, um, different writers, they wouldn't be able to do that necessarily. Yeah. It's kind of too bad because this this series has been excellent and it just kind of fell apart at the end. Yeah. And I think that probably happens to a lot of books where, you know, it's on the verge of cancellation. So you just throw whoever you have on it. Yeah. And the other writer, you know, sees the writing on the wall. They're just freelance, right? So if they're going to be out of work, they're going to start looking for other work. Nobody wants to be on a book they know is marked for death. So I don't know. I'm, it's it's too bad. Um, overall, these three epic collections, the first one started off kind of weak because it was just a collection of random Moon Knight stories starting out. Once the, And the series started and things really ramped up. It got constantly better and better and better all the way through volume two until we got to these first epi- issues of volume three, which are my favorite, yeah. and then we had a quick decline to the end. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. But these books are still worth getting. Oh, totally. They are. They're excellent. They're they're not really
0: bad. Yep. Um, They're a little maybe misguided or a little confusing in some aspects, but they're not bad issues.
1: Yeah. I think, though, with the comparison, though, um, to the Doug Mensch stuff, the Bill Sinkevich stuff that comes before, it doesn't hold a candle. So unfortunately, they are in a book where I am comparing them to better material. But it's still worth it to even get the end of Doug. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, for sure. Well, like I said, you got to get the third volume because the best issues are <laughs> yeah. in there. They're in there, yeah. I think, at least. Those are my favorite. Yeah. So the very last thing we have in this book
0: is um, a series of uh, editorials by Denny O'Neill. Uh, they're numbered by the issue that they were that they first appeared in. There may be, you know, 200 words or so appeared in the letters pages originally. And they're just little notes about what's going on. Uh, some of them are interesting and have little notes about what's uh, about the changes that are coming. Uh, for example, the one from Moon Knight number 31 says, um, a week ago, the quote, the computer which dares not speak its name, whatever that refers to, <laughs> sent down a decree. All Marvel comics sold in specialty shops shall be published bimonthly. Yep. And so that's just, you know, letting the readers know Moon Knight's going to be bimonthly from now on. Um, it talks about, a couple of them talk about uh, like Bo Hampton uh, coming onto the book. They talk about Bill leaving and just different things like that. Some of them, they basically talk about nothing. So (laughs) they're not that important. Denny was good at that. Yeah, but uh, we have also included, and actually this answers my question, I just realized, we have included a longer editorial piece uh, by Robert J. Sodaro. Okay. It's taken from Marvel Age number 9, December 1983. So this would be between... 83? Uh, this would be between Moon Knight 34 and Moon Knight 35. Okay. Uh, so this, uh, this editorial is called New Directions for Moon Knight, and it um, talks about how uh, Alan Zelenitz and Bo Hampton came onto the book, Um, but also the shift that we were talking about to the more supernatural. It says, in the words of editor Denny O'Neill, Marvel has lots of superhero crime fighters, so we want Moon Knight to deal with more supernatural element. Denny sees the book becoming more gothic in flavor as Moon Knight explores, quote, the interface between the natural and the supernatural there will be less crime fighting in Moon Knight and more mystical storylines.
1: There you go. Yep, that showed itself.
0: Yep. And then in the editorial for um, Moon Knight number 38 by Denny O'Neill, it mentions um, that Moon Knight has officially been canceled with that book. And uh, in a couple months, there will be a new Moon Knight starting with number one. And that will be either at your comic shop or any newsstand with any class at all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Then we get a page with a couple of um, covers uh, and some sketch art by Bo Hampton. And we have a final afterword for this volume uh, by Ralph Macchio. Yeah, written
1: exclusively for this epic collection. Yeah,
0: who I discovered from the editorial letters by Danny O'Neill that um, while he was on Moon Knight as the assistant editor, he was actually promoted to full editor. Nice. And so he left the title as well. Everybody left the title. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was a good uh, a wrap up because he was on, on the book for quite a while as well. And um, yeah, that brings us to the end of Moon Knight.
1: Yeah. So from here, um, Moon Knight will go on to the new Moon Knight, like you mentioned. Yep. That series is um, is just a six-issue miniseries. It's called Fist of Khonshu, written by Alan Zelenis. Mm-hmm. And then after that, Moon Knight goes to the West Coast Avengers and he joins right. that team for a yes. while. And that's where he stays until he gets his own title in the 90s uh, Mark, Mark Specter Moon Knight, Moon Knight yeah. written by Chuck Dixon. And that series will go on for 60 issues. Hmm. So that would be a good, you know, three epic collections yeah. um, at least. So I'm hoping that we will get that. And there's a couple well, of one-shots. If you stick in the,
0: uh, um, the six-issue miniseries, 66 issues, Yep, There's 22
1: each. Totally. Yeah. And then there's a couple of one-shots after that. Um, Moon Knight Special Edition, Moon Knight Divided, We Fall. Yeah. And then Doug Mensch comes back in 98 to do a four-part miniseries called The Resurrection Wars, and, uh, which Moon Knight is a part of. And, um, and so there's, there's plenty of content plenty that would fall in under the scope of um, the epic collections for marvel so i'm hoping that we'll get an announcement now this this book came out in 2018 so it's already been two years since we've had a moon knight collection so i'm gonna wait and see if we get another one announced for 2021 and if they don't announce one for 2021 maybe maybe we can just go ahead and because we know which we can just do the six issue mini series, sure. an episode on that or something yeah. like that and uh i don't know, continue it ourselves because <laughs> i i like this character yeah i'd love to see where it goes next i've always liked this character yeah like i've
0: said in, in previous issues i've been reading all of the uh new moon knight stuff as well the, the the present stuff um where they are they take quite a firmer stance on on uh on his personalities yeah yeah well, and he's got a TV show coming up.
1: Yes. So maybe they're just trying to hold off their next epic collections until then. That would be very possible. Yeah. And once they do have that TV show, I bet they will flood the market with, with Moon Knight stuff. stuff. Yeah. So, yep, yeah, that's what we'll wait and see. But that brings us to the end of the classic series. And so it's been a wild ride. And uh, we thank you for listening to all of these episodes yeah, that we thank have you. been doing. And uh, yeah. Um, If you have any comments or anything you want to let us know about, then leave a message on our social media sites, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can contact me through epicmarvelpodcast at gmail.com. And you can also, if you like talking about Epic Collections, you can join my Facebook group and uh, just search for Epic Collections on Facebook and you'll find us. Should be at the top of the list there. But I guess that's it for us. We've got to sign off now. Yep. Thank you, everybody, for being a part of our trek through Moon Knight. See you next time. Goodbye. (laughs)